0: Hey, this is Till. Um, Here's a quick disclaimer. The episode you're about to hear is entirely in English and it is not episode number one of the series. Um, Today is February 19th and in spite of my best intentions I still haven't published this episode number one, but I'm working on it, promise. I've been binging this show that has unfolded over the course of the past weeks and I thought I should share that with you since, you know, it fits the outline of this program really, really well. I mean, I couldn't have made that up. This story really has everything. An insane amount of drama over winning and losing, a giant act of unmasking by an unlikely protagonist a lot of momentum, an unbelievable amount of momentum. So much momentum, in fact, that something is going to the moon in a blast of rocket emojis. And if you ask me, the story has also a hefty bit of reality bleeding into fiction, bleeding back into reality, all of it mashing up at once and becoming an indistinguishable mess. Now that show, which I am talking about, unfolds on the internet. Where else? But it's not exactly up on Netflix or YouTube. The story I was binging unfolds on Reddit. And from there, it spills into the financial markets and if you haven't lived under a rock in the past few weeks or aren't entirely disinterested in economics, you probably already know where this is heading. In case you have zero idea what I am talking about or what Reddit is for that matter, hold on to your seats. It will all unravel in time. It's a bit of a chaotic story, but let me try to tell it to you anyway. And in order to start, I think I should move away from what happened in the past few weeks and instead we should try to create a nice backdrop in front of which our drama can unfold. So we have to span it a little further and think about what happened, I don't know, let's say in the past year or so. A mysterious respiratory illness has health care workers on alert. Federal health officials began screening travelers from the city of Wuhan, one of the busiest transportation hubs in central China. This is crazy. This can't be true. I mean, it's not within the realm of possibilities. It's just, it seemed more like out of a movie than reality. The coronavirus is spreading so quickly around the globe, it may only be a matter of time before it begins rolling across the U.S. The number of affected countries has tripled. The World Health Organization has just declared that this is a pandemic the most effective course of action is to stay home normal life cancelled 11 days into the national lockdown All public gatherings banned a virus is more powerful in creating political economic and social upheaval than any terrorist attack this pandemic uh, and its fallout really represents the biggest shock to the US economy in living memory Yeah, you guessed it, we are one year into the COVID-19 pandemic and the situation is still dire. Apart from the health aspect, which is terrible in and of itself of course, millions have lost their jobs, the economy has been hit by an enormous recession and despite a vaccination campaign that is slowly grinding into gear, there is no real telling when all of this will be over. However, there are these areas that act like nothing has ever happened. You know, we've had these furious rallies. Investors continue to put their money into our stock market. you are seeing new record highs on the S&P and NASDAQ. People call it the quote-unquote Tina effect. There is no alternative to stocks. Investors said the Fed stepped in like they would never had before. Their response was quicker and more muscular than ever before. And that was a key driver for the stock market this spring. I think the question on everyone's mind has been, How is the economy so bad while the stock market is soaring higher and higher? Enter the stock markets. After a sharp and painful dip around March of 2020 in which leading indices lost about one-third of their total value in a matter of days, stocks have rebounded almost as sharply, just to see new all-time highs by August 2020, and they were continuing to move up from there on out. And this rebound is largely due to the central banks, the European Central Bank in Europe or the Fed, short for Federal Reserve in the USA, printing money like there is no tomorrow. Literally trillions of US dollars and euros have been printed in the months following the initial stock plunge and they continue to be printed as I speak. To give you an idea of the amount, 21% of all US dollars that have ever been created have been issued in the year 2020. 21% Wow. Every day they're printing 125 billion. That's like five World War IIs per day. Cash at the Federal Reserve. An infinite amount. Ha Money printer go booo. So a <clears throat> liberal money-issuing policy by the central banks paired with low-to-zero interest rates on credit help to artificially keep the stock markets afloat at the moment and radically decouple them from the real-life economy which they are supposed to reflect. In addition to that, stock trading has become super popular over the past two years or so with younger investors. You know, digital natives, Gen Z, whatever you want to call them. And it became so popular when it moved to really simple apps that not only made the act of trading free super easy from your smartphone and gamified but you could also buy fractions of shares if you wanted to. So if you liked, for example, shares of Amazon but couldn't afford the whopping $1,800 a single share of the company still retailed at during its low point in March of 2020, you could simply buy part of that share for much less. Let the people trade is the most popular budget broker's slogan. And needless to say, most of the people beginning to trade did not have any professional training in how to assess the value of a company correctly, how to read its earnings report, and how to manage risk. They simply put their money where their mouth was, so to speak. Okay, um, let's take a quick break here. And let's take inventory. It is 2020. We have COVID lockdowns everywhere. We have tons of people sitting at home being terribly bored, having no real perspective, but a lot of time to waste. Plus a little bit of free flowing cash injected by stimulus checks in the United States that at some point exceed what many people were earning before the crisis. And now these people pull up their gamified trading app. And throw their stimmies at a market that recently has gotten pummeled. And poof, <laughs> just like that, you have bred a homunculus, a greenhorn speculator with little to lose. The Robin Hood trader, aptly named after the app Robin Hood, which many of them use to trade. And wow, you better believe it, the Robin Hood kids instantly cause a ruckus on the post-pandemic stock markets. The stock market is in the news. People talk about it. It's more accessible than it's ever been. Um, So we are definitely seeing people treating it a little bit like a form of entertainment. Earlier this year, Hertz filed for bankruptcy and its stock price crashed. Whereas established traders stayed away, Robin Hood's traders invested in record numbers. Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, with his band of men. You know, our millennial clients were attracted to the cruise lines, Royal Caribbean, uh, and and as well as uh, Carnival, because when you're young, you're like, what do I have to lose? Oh my God, that seems like a terrible idea. Uh, We heard a lot about the Robin Hood crowd and the surgeon uh, interest uh, in, in retail trading recently. This strategy has been repeated many times, with Robinhood traders jumping on high-risk investments like the airlines and Kodak. Did you hear that? Did you hear which companies the Robinhooders went for? Throwing their money at airlines, bleeding cash in the pandemic, investing in exsanguinated cruise lines, for God's sake, buying stock of the bankrupt rental car company Hertz, becoming shareholders of the totally brain dead Eastman Kodak. <laughs> it really resembles a zombie movie here. And the Robin Hooders were the ones summoning, reanimating, carnaged companies from past times they only knew from hearsay. And by the power of the Robin Hood summoning, these companies did rise from their graves with a start indeed. Before they lost their footing almost instantly again and plunged back into their tombs, that is. With their YOLO calls, the green-horned Robin Hooders were working their magic while the institutional investors, who before were the ones doing all the tricks, stood on the sidelines to watch the spectacle unfold in utter disbelief. Or suspended disbelief, I should say, as after all, no one knew better how the game is played than the insties. Some of the Robin Hooders made amazing profits off of their YOLO plays, while others suffered dramatic losses. And both winners and losers met to document screenshots of their adventures on the online discussion board Reddit. More precisely, the subreddit Wall Street Bets, a community of around 2.5 million users in January of 2021. Now Wall Street Bets kind of has the rowdy etiquette of the internet's underbelly. You know, lots of insults, lots of non-PC talk, lots of shit posting. Its users call themselves autists, and the investment <clears throat> philosophy pitched on the board is one of super speculative trades on single stocks with highly risky leveraged investment products. You don't have to understand anything of what I just said beyond super speculative and highly risky to get kind of an idea of what this community is all about. Let's not call it investing, it's gambling. Wall Street bets is really eponymous of what's going on there. Essentially, it's gambling. And needless to say, in traditional, more conservative investment strategy, what's happening on Wall Street bets is a giant no no. But somewhere, well hidden between memes and loss porn, there are some super savvy people on this board, and probably some covert institutional investors too, sniffing out weaknesses and frictions in the markets and making their case for investment or betting opportunities. And boy, oh boy. If they only manage to garner the crowd's attention. GameStop. 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 GameStop is surging. The recent stock market rollercoaster of yet another half-dead company, the brick and mortar shopping mall video game retailer GameStop, a great business idea of Futures Past. Impressively demonstrated the power of dumb money armed with a weaponized trading app. The Wall Street Bets kids caused a total damage to hedge funds in the range of 70 plus billion dollars. And that's the show I was binging. Sparked by a user with the charming moniker Deep Fucking Value. Thousands of redditors ganged up and bought shares of GameStop, causing its stock price to surge. Picture this. At their lowest point in March of 2020, GameStop shares crept around at a price of $2.59. With their orchestrated purchases really taking off sometime in January, when the price had already reached an impressive $14, the Wall Street Bets community managed to push GameStop's stock price to an impressive $53 per share. That is an increase of 2,000% from its low point. Rocket emoji, rocket emoji, rocket emoji. Hold on, that That is is only the the beginning of the troubles. troubles. We haven't even boarded our rocket ship yet. And here's why. So, one of the reasons that this user, deep fucking value, chose to go all in and throw his money at GameStop, a failing company from yesteryear, is that he noticed the crazy amount of short positions which hedge funds had on the company's stock. A short position is essentially a bet against a company. So, if you go short, you make money if the company's stock price drops. Good. Good. And you lose money if it goes up.
1: Not good.
0: It's the exact opposite of traditional investing, like when you simply buy stock of a company and hope for it to go up. Technically, shorting works like this you don't buy the shares of the company you want to short, but you borrow them instead. You promised the lender to give the shares back at a later point in time and immediately sell them on to a third party. Now, your hope is that the shares will lose value before you have to go back to the market to buy them in order to return them to the lender. If they do lose value, indeed, you have made a profit. It's risky, but it can pay off. It's risky because if you were wrong and the stock goes up, after all, in theory, there is no limit. To how much you can lose on your bet. Now, what deep fucking value the Wall Street Bets dude had discovered was that 130% of all free floating GameStop stock had been shorted, and some hedge funds had put enormous sums in their short positions. Besides the fact that you cannot technically short more than 100% of available stock, and hence something fishy must be going on there deep fucking value also realized that this put the short sellers in a very vulnerable position. If he could somehow manage to buy enough shares to make the company's stock price rise significantly, he would eventually be able to trigger something called a short squeeze. That is, he'd force the hedge funds to limit their mounting losses by getting out of their positions. And they could only do that by buying back the shares they owed to their lenders. That, of course, would make the stock price go up, which in turn would force other hedge funds who were short on GameStop to cover their positions as well, which then would make the price shoot up even further, and so on. A chain reaction that would send GameStop's value to the moon. So we have sort of an uneven fight set up here. In one corner we have a crowd of rowdy and mostly inexperienced kids catching wind of deep Fucking values plan and crewing up to create a movement of memes and throw their stimmies and then some at GameStop stock, trying to force a short squeeze. Not illegal. And in the other corner we have highly leveraged professional Wall Street hedge funds, sitting on billions worth of short positions trying to actively weigh down GameStop stock by giving it bad rep in the media. Not illegal either. The idea of buying GameStop went viral. As the stock soared, the financial world was left stunned. We are seeing a phenomenon That I have uh, never seen. There's nothing normal about what you're seeing when it comes to this stock right now. The Redditors figured out that if they collectively bought a bunch of GameStop, they could force a surge. The short sellers would have to buy back higher, creating what's known as a squeeze. And it worked. Several large hedge funds were severely wounded in the process. You have basically the David pack of wolves beating the Goliath pack of wolves. Joe, if If this is a stock that is moving detached to fundamentals right now, what continues to push it? I mean, is this still the epic short squeeze of short squeezes as it has been suggested over the last couple of days? Yeah, it seems to be the short squeeze of all uh, short squeezes. I I, I can't really see what's driving it at this point, this, this price level. I just don't know how you can justify it. Well, in short, the big boys get whooped. Wall Street bets indeed had managed to gather enough momentum to actually cause a short squeeze. At its high point, GameStop shares briefly traded at $381. 381. Three From its low point of $2.5, that is a modest increase of 15,000%. <laughs> it was a train wreck for all short sellers. Melvin Capital, for example, one of the hedge funds with a major short position on GameStop, lost about $4 billion and had to be saved from going bankrupt by fellow hedge funds. Citroën Research, a company specialized in short selling that arguably added fuel to the war with arrogant videos poking fun of the Wall Street Bets community, defeatedly changed their business model and turned away from short selling for good. In total, more than 5,000 US firms lost big on the squeeze. Some of the Wall Street Bets bros made a lot of money. Remember when I said that Wall Street Bets was a community of about 2.5 million users? Yeah. By the end of the saga, they were 8.5 million. You can't stop. Oh, oh, you can't stop. Okay. stop. Okay. Okay. You can't stop. Okay. stop. There once was a stock that put to sea The name of the stock was GME The price blew up and the shorts dipped down Hold my bully boys hold <gasps> Soon may the tendy man come To send a rocket into the sun One day when the trading is done We'll take our gains and go But this is still not the end of the story. Not really. Of course not. Things are never as simple as they seem. After all, this is a case of reality bleeding into fiction, bleeding back into reality, and not a good versus evil type romance novel. Firstly, Robin Hood traders and Wall Street Bets disciples made some money, alright. But many major hedge funds who hadn't had short positions in GameStop stock jumped on the bandwagon too, of course, and they themselves made millions, if not billions, off of their competitors' losses. Secondly, in the days of the squeeze, the Diamond Hands meme surfaced on Wall Street bets. Diamond hands means hold the stock. Don't sell by any means. If the stock is going to the moon, hold it until it's going to Mars. If anything, buy even more. Well, to anyone who has at least a little bit of experience with hyped stocks and their volatility, that is just a foolish move. In fact, it is a move that pertains to the so-called greater fool theory. As long as you can find a greater fool who buys your overvalued shares from you, you can walk away with a profit. But there will be a lot of fools left with worthless shares once the squeeze is squose and the stock price plummets again. So many of the inexperienced Wall Street Bets kids just became useful idiots to the ones who get out in time and were left with painful losses. After all, diamond hands may have been a meme planted by the more savvy professionals on the board allowing them to sell their positions to willing buyers. And thirdly… David, we do have now some statements from Robinhood and Interactive Brokers about restricting trading on some names. Uh, That's likely to uh, raise some hackles uh, and some anger in certain sectors. Yep, I've seen it on Twitter already, as you point out, Carl. Uh, People upset at the idea that they can no longer buy, and it will have an impact. Whoops. A few days after the madness had begun and GameStop stock was sent to the moon by the short squeeze, Robinhood and many other trading apps abruptly halted trading in the stock. Traders could sell their positions but not buy more stock. Now the reason for Robinhood to stop all purchases of GameStop stock was a technical one. Since the volume of trades and money flows was so high, the clearinghouse behind the broker app demanded more securities to alleviate risk. Robinhood was forced to raise cash before being able to allow trading in GameStop again. However, by stopping all purchases of GameStop stock, Robinhood arguably killed the momentum of the short squeeze and saved some hedge funds from having to close their short positions at devastating losses. Of course, that reeked of manipulation, especially since some companies with large short positions in GameStop were major clients to which Robinhood sold their users' data. Cough, cough, wink, wink. Whoever may be the greater fool here, whoever may be the hunter and whoever may be the prey, the Diamond Hands rebels did prove a point after all. And in my opinion, the takeaway of all this is not, as some people wanted to see it, that this was a moment of insurrection driven by a bunch of disenfranchised idealists who weren't after the profits but after humiliating hedge funds and avenging the financial crisis of 2008, something that the Occupy Wall Street movement had never quite managed to achieve. It is also not about the redistribution of wealth from Wall Street to Main Street, ironically turning Robin Hood into a foe being in service of the sheriffs of Sherwood Forest along the way. Instead of narrating this saga as a black and white tale of social justice and vengeance, I think the takeaway here is much more nuanced. And it should be. So perhaps at this point, the term disruption comes in handy. Disruption is an expression fetishized by the startup ideologues of Silicon Valley, following economist Joseph Schumpeter's idea of creative destruction, which according to him needs to happen in order to achieve progress and economic growth by purging ideas, setups, companies, business models that are dysfunctional. Silicon Valley culture claims that companies today, especially those dabbling in technology, need to be disruptive at all costs. They have to aim at revolutionizing the markets they operate in. However, the Silicon Valley version of disruption is one that claims the democratization of structures, but is really after maintaining current orders of power and really has them built into their system. It's kind of a pretend disruption, if you will. And so, if a genuinely disruptive form of creative destruction comes along, it has to be stopped short. As was neatly demonstrated by budget broker Robinhood's rather phantasmal claim of democratizing finance, which betrayed both its name, Robinhood, and its slogan, let let the people people trade. trade, when it intervened to not let the people trade after all. What is genuinely disruptive, however, is the rise of decentralized investment power. The power of individual investors, dumb money, as they say, going viral. And the brood force of crowds not so much organizing around the treacherous brokerage app Robinhood, but swarming together in meme-fueled online communities instead, where the act of storming the Capitol almost seems like a sequel to the storming of the Capitol in Washington DC just a month before, the attack on Wall Street being much more favorable to left-leaning discourse, obviously. What is also genuinely disruptive is the unmasking of magical or perhaps delusional narratives in economy, such as the efficient market hypothesis. That is the idea that all available information at any given point in time is priced into the value at which shares are being traded. And thus, markets are both objective and efficient. It's genuinely disruptive, But it's not new. Alan Greenspan, the former chairman of the Federal Reserve, once lamented the irrational exuberance that had gripped the markets in the run-up to the bursting of the dot-com bubble in the year 2000. Now, his successor, Jerome Powell, is making the money printer go and by doing so, has dug the grave for the efficient market hypothesis, which in turn was buried by the power play stampede of the Wall Street Bets shamans, just to instantly rise from its grave again as a defaced zombie, rendering the markets efficient, but only for the crowdsourced market manipulators. The magicians of Wall Street Bets indulged in a form of improvisational reality building here which is a strategy that hedge funds and other Wall Street power players have used for ages to pillage the lands. Bye-bye, efficient markets hypothesis. You can check your Nobel Prizes at the door before you leave, leave, leave. (laughs) The old trick that is recast here in a fresh cloak is that of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Proof. Magic. But look what people can do. I mean, that's a fabulous thing. The great thing about the market is has nothing to do with the actual stocks. What's important when you're in that hedge fund mode is to not do anything remotely truthful because the truth is so against your view that it's important to create a new truth to develop a fiction. So, what happened here was that one form of financial magic was unveiled and instantly replaced with the exact same thing, only this time in the partial guise of democratization, the same mock democratization that is the story of platform capitalism. Perhaps this disruption we are witnessing here is actually more a moment of resurrection than one of insurrection, and it is resurrection as sleight of hand, as a magic trick. It's resurrecting undead practices of manipulation and deception, and it is resurrecting zombie companies in an environment of zombie platform capitalism. Zombies, 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 zombies everywhere. Thing is, They are not munching on brains Brains. as much as they are munching on Benjamins. Benjamins. They are haunting the earth and cannot find resolve as long as they are infused with Jerome Powell's Federal Reserve cash injections, stimulated like frog legs by the Robin Hood traders' checks. The days of the efficient market hypothesis are numbered. The Sherwood Forest sorcerer's apprentices have successfully exposed the flaws, fictions and make-believes of the markets and have replaced them with their own crowdsourced sleight of hand. With their magical stimmies, they can make airlines, boomer tech and dead cats bounce, they can briefly revive a video game retailer that has been prematurely declared dead by institutional short-sellers. They can make hedge fund billions levitate and thus have effectively defied the laws of gravity, or rather, they've demonstrated that there aren't really any playing with house money, these new gamblers on Wall Street settling in next to the old ones are neither completely detached from the world nor are they anti-capitalist heroes. No, they are ghouls themselves, forced to enact the spasms of endless central bank stimulation and thus being caught between fact and fiction, being neither here nor there, being neither dead nor alive, being neither rich nor poor, but instead they are totally suspended. As the economy is afloat and undead companies are dancing to the string beat of Jerome Powell's money printer, retail investors' weaponized, mock-democratic prosumer trading infrastructure displays the script for the summoning of zombie capitalism, and it looks like a pretty funny meme. And it's never end. It's no more games. No more pretend. This hedge is Oh, hey, you're still around. Okay, well, then um, how about a brief follow-up to the story? Uh, Okay, check it out. On February 18th, um, there was a public hearing of uh, people playing uh, prominent roles in this whole affair. And uh, the hearing was called in by a U.S. government finance committee, its official title being uh, the, the House Committee on Financial Services. Well, anyway, um, at 3.55 p.m. Eastern Time, while uh, this hearing in front of the committee was still in full swing, um, NASA uh, successfully landed a rover on Mars. Uh, The rover's name was Perseverance, and um, it sent out tweets um, via the platform Twitter, of course. Uh, And the first tweet after it successfully touched down on Mars was Perseverance will get you anywhere. Rocket emoji, rocket emoji, rocket emoji.